Yeah. Good morning. We are, uh, we are actually in the middle of a series uh, called Believe, and we've been using this book as a resource. Um, so if you're th- here for the very first time, um, this book is free. We're making it available to everyone. I encourage you to stop by the info desk, pick yours up if you have not picked one up yet. Um, and we started this actually back at the beginning of the year, and we spent the first 10 weeks of this year um, talking about what we believe. What, is it, what are the essentials of the Christian faith? Um, and th- that went right up until Easter. And then after Easter, we started into the second half, which is where we're in, in now. And it's more about how do we believe. It's one thing to say this is what I believe, but how do we live that out? And we talk, we're talking about a lot of different um, activities, uh, habits, behaviors, um, attitudes that help us live out our faith and truly live out what we say we believe. And a couple, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the importance of prayer and, and what prayer really is and how to engage in a deeper level with God in your prayer life. And last week, we talked about um, reading and understanding scripture and learning to make um, Bible a part of your everyday life. And today, we're talking about a single-minded living. And, and it's all about living to an audience of one. And it's what Jesus talked about uh, among other things, is really what he was talking about in his Sermon on the Mount. And I'm just going to give you a, just kind of as a quick intro, and it's what we're going to be talking about today, but just the two key points that you need to understand. When we talk about single-minded living, what does that mean? Well, what it means, first of all, is that I put Jesus in first place in my life. I make him first in my life. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he went on, he said, so seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. In other words, you put Christ first in your life. That's the life you were intended to live, that life with God. And once you establish that and set that as a presence for your life, then everything flows from that, which goes to the second point in all this, which is seeing every aspect of my life as service to God. And that's what Paul was writing about when he wrote to the Colossian church, whatever you do, this is what he said, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. In case you didn't catch it, he said it a second time, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And so that's single-minded living. That's what we're talking about is, is putting Christ first in our life because that's where life flows from. And about 11 years ago, not quite 11 years ago now, for the very first time, I made my first mission trip to Uganda, and I met a man um, there that have, we've become lifelong friends, and he is, I think, the epitome in my mind of what that looks like. His dedication and the way that he lives his life in serving Christ is incredible. Um, he is really the, the, the man on the ground um, in Uganda that uh, works with our uh, Walk for Water fundraisers. And we've been able to raise for, through our Walk for Waters over 50 wells to be drilled now in Uganda, which is really exciting. But that's only one-tenth of the number of wells that he has been involved in. They've, Hope for Kids has drilled over 500 fresh, clean water wells in Uganda. And the guy that makes it all happen is with us this morning. So if you would, give me a good Northgate welcome for Pastor Hilary Mallow. Welcome. Thank you. Have a seat. Thank you. So he is known um, in the uh, Pope for Kids circles as the Bishop of Water. 
um, because he is the guy that really makes it all happen. And his life, as I said, um, he's an incredibly humble man um, and an incredibly dedicated man. And so I thought today he would be the perfect guy to have talk to us about this idea of single-minded living. So um, we're going to do kind of an interview thing here. So I want to start with the first question, which is, at what point in your life did you make that decision to put your life completely into Christ's hands and put him number one? Yeah, thank you, Pastor and everyone. Uh, this was the time when I had just uh, lost my job that I had done for six years. And then uh, life was so useless. All my friends were already gone. I had no food on the table. And uh, I was like, now, what do I do? So when I sat down, and I was like, now what is my next step? That is when the Holy Spirit guided me that the only solution was to give my life to Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you made that decision. Now, at the time, you were living in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And, and from there, you went and moved to live with your uncle in Tororo, Uganda. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where things really started to change for you. So what happened when you, when you moved to Tororo? Yeah, so when I moved to Tororo to begin staying with my uncle, I got a job through my friend whom I was at school with. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time we could do like, uh, we could do like, uh, we are now going home from duty. We had uh, a man of God by the names of Wilbur and his my spiritual father, this man could stand at the gate preaching the gospel. As and you were coming out as of we work coming at the cement out factory? Of, yes, out yes. of the cement factory. Yeah. So could you tell us about the love of God and uh, uh, telling people to, to come to Christianity and all that. Little did I know that this man was my tribesman. We speak one language. And then by the time I discovered that we speak one language. Then uh, when he welcomed me in his church, then I began now fellowshipping with him. Okay. Yeah. So then at what point did you make the transition? Because he saw some things in you mm-hmm. um, and, and invited you to become basically trained in ministry. Yeah. Him. By the time I joined <clears throat> his church, his church had less than, was a, had a flock of less than 10 people. Hmm. So now, out of these 10 people, coming up with the leadership was a challenge. So now he was just like observing how active all these, you know, 10 people were. And uh, that's when he, at one time, approached me, me and my wife. Hmm. And uh, he was like, Hillary, if you don't mind, if I could put your wife to be the treasurer of the church, and then you to be my right-hand man. Mm. Then I was like, oh my gosh, how do I do this? And I've never attended any seminary, any college. So by the grace of God, I began leadership and he brought me in as an elder in the church. Mm. So as time went on and as the flock also were doing uh, the um, door-to-door evangelism, so many people came in, many people came in until time came now, we began now doing the conferences, the meeting, calling very many people to come and teach us concerning leadership and all that. 
So after there, that's when we began now attending uh, the uh, formal seminary where we could go for two weeks, mm -hmm. three weeks, and then we come back, and then uh, I was now ordained officially as the pastor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when you read Jesus' words where it says, um, seek his kingdom first mm -hmm. and his righteousness, yeah. what does that mean to you, and how has that worked in your life? Uh, this is when I focus upon my life, just as I've been telling you my story. I had no one after I had lost my job. When I began looking around, I had no friend. I had no food. I had no shelter. I was just like a, a being accommodated by a friend mm. because life was totally useless. So when I sat down and I began now following up Jesus, mm. that's when now he showed me the way. So it's very, very important that really when you follow Jesus, then everything will now follow you. Mm. Because I've been telling people, as I've been in the U.S., that in Uganda, even just getting a visa, mm -hmm. it is a big, big miracle. Many people discouraged me, Hillary, you want to go through. Because others had like, uh, tried several times. There is a friend of mine, a pastor, who had tried for eight times but to he get, had a, visa to to get to a visa to come to U.S., but he had failed. And each time you apply online to get a visa, you have to pay $200. So all that money was gone. Mm. So it was really a big, big miracle that once you begin following Jesus, then all these good things now begins following you. Mm. Yeah. So it was a big step of faith for you to leave the after you had not had a job and mm -hmm. then had the job at Tororo Cement, mm -hmm. that was a big step of faith yeah. for you to leave that yes. and now go to, to, to begin serving. Yes, because yeah. there was no guaranteed paycheck. There was no guarantee. And even at one time, I was asking my <clears throat> spiritual father, how do you convince me to leave my job, which has been helping me? I've just married. <laughs> I've just married, and you are convincing me to leave it for, you know, to go and begin ministry with you. In Africa, we have a belief that, uh, that uh, if you become a full-time minister, mm. you are working for God, it's like you are working for nothing. <laughs> so it was a step of faith, just risking, like risking. Yeah. Did I know that as I risked behind, God had a wonderful plan upon my life. Yeah. And uh, that's the reason as why after we had had, uh, you know, many, many fellowships, and, uh, you know, after a couple of months, here now comes a man of God who connects with my spiritual father, Wilbur, mm -hmm. and that is now the founder of Hope for Kids. This is Tom Egam. When he now came, and he had a vision, he had, he is a man who is full of compassion for children. He now, uh, his, his vision marries together with the vision of Pastor Wilbur, mm -hmm. and now he, there they begin now recruiting the children, now that's when now he began, when he began now sending some money, wearing some money, that's when now we began now earning some, yeah. some money. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been the Bishop of Water for Hope uh, for Kids? Our first well, we drilled uh, in 2009. Okay. And from 2009 up to today, we have so far done 561 wells. Wow. And... Uh, 
And really, I want to register in my appreciation to you people, men and women of God, for the huge heart that you have demonstrated. It is through you that life has changed in Uganda. Mm -hmm. It's through you that really today children have gone back to school. Men and women are now at least doing some lucrative businesses at their home just because of you. Mm. Yeah, That's great. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you actually go and do the investigation mm -hmm. and choose the villages where a well is going to be drilled. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that process. How do you, how do you hear of a village? What do you end up doing? How do you go you know, do the research on it? In Uganda... The safe water coverage is at 47%. The safe water coverage. So now, we still have a huge need. Mm -hmm. So 53 still depend on the contaminated spots, water mm -hmm. sources. And therefore, how do I normally know where to do these wells? We are having our pastors. Truvine has more than 70 branch churches outside there in various districts, in various uh, sub-counties, and in various villages. Now, all, all of these churches have pastors, and all these pastors know about Hillary. <laughs> now, again, through uh, my bishop, who is Pastor Wilbur, normally conducts mm -hmm. every year the apostolic move, <clears throat> where he has to move uh, in every church, encouraging the members, encouraging the leadership of the uh, those uh, different respective churches. Now, whenever we normally do those apostolic moves, these small churches normally attract other friend pastors also to come and join us in this apostolic move. So now as they come and they learn about what Hillary is doing and they come from other villages, from other districts, so now they know the uh, information affecting their various villages. So now they begin asking me, they begin communicating to me, Hillary, even in my church, even in my village, like that. Okay. Then, after I've had the information, after getting that, this information, now I go with my camera to do the evaluation, I mean the assessment mm. of how the situation looks like. Okay. And then that's how we have got connected and uh, built all this well. So it's primarily through pastors and churches that yeah, you hear about it. Exactly. And then you go out there. I think we'll, we'll put a picture up here, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> a picture of an original water source. Mm -hmm. This is um, one that I took in one of the villages that mm -hmm. we've visited. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is probably in better shape than mm -hmm. a lot of the mm -hmm. ones that you mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. So tell, tell a little bit about the original water source. Yeah, this is what you call the original water source. And uh, according to my interpretation, this original water source is better. This is a wonderful water source. We have come or have gone to places where the original water source is just some few drops. Where children and uh, ladies have to wade through the mud, fighting for the little drop. There is a borehole that we are just drilling now. This, I mean, uh, I mean uh, this village, when I visited it, through a certain pastor friend, it really, I even shed tears. Because we, we had just some little drop. And the children were struggling, ladies were struggling. And uh, they could connect the mud and they could squeeze the mud through their containers, having put the sieve in between. Now, I'm imagining if an American who is 
enjoying life in that swimming pool <laughs> in the water that I would say that is now the safe water and there is a person somewhere squeezing the mud. Really, this is, this is really bad. So they, yeah. they didn't actually have a water source. It was yeah. just the mud and squeezing the, the, the water mud out squeezing of the mud. The mud, squeezing the mud, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Now, when you go and you investigate and assess mm-hmm. a village, you, you spend time there. You, yes. You'll stay in the village or you'll mm-hmm. sleep in your car or whatever. Yeah. And then yes. you also have, have some encounters. You have yeah. an encounter with a king cobra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah, one time, tell, tell that I've story. I've got... Uh, incidences and uh, challenges concerning uh, the cobra's neck, but it's not maybe that every village you go, you have to. So every village has its own story. But here comes a village that I, uh, I went to visit through a certain pastor friend, and uh, at the original water source, we ha- just right at the original water source, we had a tree. And that tree was the home of a very huge cobra. Big one. Now, by the time this man told me, I was not believing. So I carried my camera and slowly we went. It was in the noon of the day. So when we went there, I was so curious, wanting to know this king cobra. Now, by the time I began taking photos, the first shot, I had no flash. The second shot, there was a flash. So this flash is like a, it woke up this king cobra. And then I saw the man like this, <laughs> looking at me. Then we took off with this man of God. So <laughs> I was imagining the threat it is, you know, having to the little kids, to these ladies, how many children have ended up, you know, being, you know, just beaten. Because sometimes, our original water sources, the water table, you know, lowers down mm-hmm. when we are having a dry spell. Yeah. And now, these children, they begin, you know, they begin like struggling. Those who want to take water and these amphibians and wild animals also. So in such cases, they are beaten by the snake. Mm. So this is really a serious case and, uh, and uh, really... May God bless the person who responded immediately and uh, really we drilled a well in this village and today people have now, you know, left Egypt where the original water is and they are now in Canaan. Yeah. They talk about the, the original water source as being in Egypt, like mm-hmm. the slaves in Egypt mm-hmm. that have now left Egypt and now you're in the promised land in Canaan <laughs> now that you have yeah. water. Yeah. Um, and so when we talk about safe water, it's mm-hmm. not just the quality of the water. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah, it's, yeah. it's the surroundings about yes, exactly. it. And I know mm-hmm. in some cases, um, men have laid in wait for girls who come yeah. to draw water too. So yeah, when, you, yeah. when you drill a well, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not just clean, safe water. Mm-hmm. It's safe for people there yes, as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. There is safety for people. There is just an incident where we normally see the baboons. Yes. Yes. Where I was talking about it, there is just a village that we just drilled a well recently, and on this well, it is near the forest where the baboons stay. So now, each time when the water table goes down and there is that some mud, so when these baboons are thirsty and these people are also coming to fetch the water, they are being like, you know, 
mauled by these baboons. The baboons yeah, are yeah, yeah, they, yes. yeah. Because everyone wants to draw the little water that has remained. Yeah which poses a huge, huge threat yeah. to humanity. Yeah. yeah. So we have another picture. This is of, of once a well is drilled. That's the fresh, clean water that's coming out of that well. Um, how does that make you feel when you, when you visit a village and you see what the water source had been mm-hmm. and, and now they're getting clean water? Um, how does that make you feel? Yeah, normally I normally wait concerning uh, the history of the Egypt, where mm-hmm. they were before their well was drilled there. So now I begin looking at who is this God who has done this. Mm. These people, since they were born, others had never seen the safe water source. Yeah. Others has ne- had never taken the safe, drunk, yeah. drinking the safe, in, I mean, I mean in the safe water. Yeah. So now it really turns around my life, mm. thanking God, praying for you people, extending your hand to the people you have never seen extending your hand to the people who will never pay you back. Mm. And I may say, may the Almighty God bless you so much. Because through this original source, many, many of our kids who do not have breakfast, they do not have lunch, this is what helps them mm. go to school, study well. Many, many mothers, I was talking of a story. There is another health center which had no water. Yeah. And it was a health center five. There was no water totally. When the principal came to our office wanting whatever. He had a very huge story. Many, many ladies who could come in the middle of the night mm. to deliver, they were dying. Ah. Many, many ladies because it has maternity wing. Mm. So many, many ladies could come, they could lose their children, they could die because of one element, there was no water. Mm. I want to thank God that by the time I was coming to U.S., we had just drilled this well. And I'm I'm very much grateful to God because of what he's doing, just because of the impact the safe water source is making in the lives of the children of God. Wow. So there's another picture we have here. This is of of a well dedication. Um, That's us, and that's you. Mm -hmm. Um, So describe a little bit so this is a finished well mm-hmm. now we, we do a well dedication ceremony when we get there but you don't wait until we come yeah, you yeah. open the well as we soon as possible we open the well immediately and then uh-huh. there's some wood structure around that explain mm-hmm. what that is and, and why that's there yeah that is like a protection <clears throat> like you can have your car and you put a guard so now we are having a, car, a handle which people normally you know get hold of when they are pumping manually and now that guard protects, you know, the bearings yes. in a way that when somebody, maybe like some little children, when they're coming to pump, you know, that handle shouldn't bang down and on top. Yeah. So it's kind of limited. Yes. So it normally limits, yeah. you know, the movement of the handle. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also, um, <clears throat> when you do it, you also, in each village, um, that you appoint the water committee. So yeah. the ongoing upkeep of the well is taken care of, Immediate, as well as hygiene talks. Yes. Immediately we confirm from our office that this well has now a donation. We begin now mobilizing. We task the community where we want to drill the well to come up with the faithful people, especially Christians, who can be like the management which will be taking care 
or to be in charge of our borehole. Mm. Because me as Hillary, I cannot have the eyes to see all these wells, 561. So that is now like uh, coming up with a small office of water for kids in every village. Yeah. And now, in that, on that panel of the uh, water usage committee, we will have the chairman, we we'll have the secretary, the mobilizer, the security men, then the hygiene and sanitation men. Mm -hmm. This hygiene and sanitation men make sure that every person who is the beneficiary of our new well does not come with a dirty container to mm. come and fetch from the safe water source. Mm. This is just to avoid, you know, people coming with their jerry cans, with their container, which are having allergy inside. Because algae. Uh -huh, algae, algae, yes. algae uh -huh. Then they come, they fetch, and then as they go back home, and they are like, they're still sick. Mm. Yeah, so we normally task them not to do, encourage them to come with the clean jerrycans. Yes. And that is now the work of their hygiene and sanitation person. Okay. Yeah. So we have a video of, of a drilling actually being done. Why don't you describe a little bit um, what's happening here? Yeah, so now that is the... Uh, when we have already hit the second aquifer in our drilling process, and that means that as we are drilling and water is gushing, is splashing out like that, so which means that is, is I mean, a sound well, which has a stable aquifer that is going to sustain the community. And that is why the rig is going down and the water is coming out. So if you get the water gushing up like that, that mm -hmm. means you've, you've got a good well. Yes, we have good, a sound well. We have got a sound well. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and on average, how deep do you drill your wells? Uh, usually, we normally do 100 plus meters down. Okay. Yeah. Great. So um, you put yourself through a lot of serious, dangerous situations with king cobra snakes and other things. Um, and you, you travel quite a ways uh -huh. in many cases. So <clears throat> when people ask you, Hillary, why do you do what you do? Why do you, why do you travel so far? Why do you spend that much time in a village? Why do you give so much of your time to this? Why do you, why you, why do, you do this? What, what do you tell them? Yeah, I've like uh, always weighed my life as per the impact these wells are making in the life of the children of God. Even though I have suffered a great deal, but what is, you know, what is the impact of what I'm doing? Number one, when I see the children of God, like the little kids, going back to school. Mm. That is like my pleasure. I say, God, you know, glory be to God. Mm. When I see these ladies who could trek for many, many miles mm. looking for contaminated water, when they are just like drawing just a few meters away from home, yeah. their home, when they come and they can't spend a lot of time, that is, I say, glory be to God. Mm. Also, normally, as a Christian, I have used these safe water sources. You know, these safe water sources are they come, every Muslims come, Christians come, every religion, everybody, any Muzungu, American, everybody <laughs> is looking for the safe water. Now, as they come, I've also used this, my safe water uh, sources, as a platform to preach the gospel, mm. to reach more people, to, you know, to pray for more people. 
Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the reason as to why sometimes when we are having the dedication, we have also done the baptism yes. at the, our sources. Yes. We have also, uh, like uh, there is a, a village called Siaule village, and this village had uh, 90% in this village were Muslims. Now, here comes a pastor, my friend pastor, and he's like, Hillary, my village is really in a mess. Why? Because of the original water source. People are dying because of, you know, uh, waterborne diseases. People are dying because of, you know, they're struggling so much. Then as I went there, I did the assessment. Then I took the photos. Then I sent, and then eventually uh, we, we drilled a well there. Immediately we drilled the well, we had a mosque nearby. The imam, the leader of that mosque came to me and told me, Hillary, from today, I have confirmed that the God you worship listens to your prayers and does things. Now that we have been praying to our God and he has never answered our prayer, now me plus, all my, uh, plus my flock, we are now changing to Christianity. Hmm. So today in that village, we have opened a church. Yeah. But since it's still a new church, they are just still praying under the tree. Just imagine, they left the constructed structure, which is a mosque. And right now, they are very okay. They are very comfortable under the shade of the tree near our well. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so you have been in the U.S. now for a month. Mm -hmm. And you've seen, experienced life here yeah. in the United States. Mm -hmm. So my last question for you is, when you see how we live here in the United States compared to what your experience is in Uganda, mm -hmm. would, would you say to live single-mindedly single -minded, single for Christ, is it harder in the U.S. or is it harder in, in Africa? I could say that it's a little bit harder in the U.S. Why? Yeah, because just right, just right from day one, I began writing the notes comparing U.S. lifestyle and African lifestyle. In Africa, the greatest majority is living, the families are living below the poverty line. And uh, their life is a struggle. Mm. Their life is a struggle. And uh, that's this one as well. I was telling you that a child who is used to only one meal, but here in the U.S., when Hillary wakes up, there is a lot of food stuff on the table as breakfast. <laughs> and uh, when it reaches lunch, we, had, we have like, oh, snacks. Oh, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what. So we have a lot of food. And uh, Hillary has never like moved <laughs> 10 meters away eh, when he's just walking. <laughs> Unless if he was maybe doing a tour like we did yesterday, but I'm always in the car. And uh, I just want to say that since I came, I've only brushed my shoes only once. Why? <laughs> but in Africa, every day you have to brush your shoes just because of the dust. You have to walk everywhere, and, uh, you know, the situation is very ridiculous. Mm. And uh, that this one is why I say living single-minded in U.S. here is uh, 
somehow le difficult a lot of distractions <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of more comfort yes exactly yeah yeah, yeah. But, but your experience because in uganda people is, are living a softer life yeah 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 but in uganda you in that, you realize people, your dependence on yeah that. yeah really people are struggling people are struggling mm. and then they focus their mind yeah on looking for god yeah. and jesus yeah so if you could leave one last word of encouragement or maybe challenge to us what would you what would you say to us Yeah, how do you just say that our life is a walk? And as we are walking, there are many activities taking place around us. I do not know which activity is around you. When uh, I look at the Bible, The Bible says that we have honorable vessels and dishonored vessels. And then it summarizes by saying when the master comes he will be able to only use honorable vessels. Mm. So this life God looks at you and he wants to use you. When you begin examining your life are you usable? So my challenge this morning this afternoon is just to encourage you to live single-minded life. Yeah. Let us scan, let us examine our life and see whether the master when the master will come as he came and then he got mm. the you know the 12 I mean the I mean the five virgins mm. were foolish and others were wise. Yeah. There is a reason as to why the wise virgins had extra oil mm. and the foolish ones they didn't carry extra oil mm. so in life we have to be very very alert and live single handed mind yeah yeah very good thank, thank you. you so thank much you. for being here thank you thank, thank, you. thank, thank you all thank you, thank you. Uh, we we just had a great weekend with you and yeah, um, you. your experiences um, have a lot to teach us yeah, so thank, thank you for thank, being with thank us you, thank yes you, thank would you bow your heads with me <clears throat> maybe you're here today and uh, you're doing life on your own and you're very comfortable and it's it's working out smooth and and you become so um, self-sufficient that you've forgotten how much you really do need god in your life It's the life that he created you to live was a life with him. Sometimes a lot of the stuff crowds that out. Maybe you're here today and you're at a point of need or a crisis as Pastor Hillary talked about when he lost his job and all of a sudden he realized I can't do this on my own. But wherever you're at, I want you to know that you were created to live a life with God. You were never intended to do this on your own. And we each week try to give people an opportunity to take a first step of faith. And maybe you're here today and you're just realizing, you know what? I've been doing it on my own and it's not working and it's time to make that change. And maybe today for the very first time you're willing to say, "God, I give up. I just I'm I'm giving up. I I've been doing this on my own and I've got a lot of mistakes and failures and sin that I can't do anything about. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need to put my life in your hands." And if you've never done that before but today you'd like to take a first step of faith 
You can do it very simply. I'd like to lead you in a prayer as we close. I'm just going to ask you, just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment. And as you do, look up also and catch my eye because I want to pray with you and pray for you as we close. All right. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to invite you to make this very simple prayer your prayer. And, and it's really a prayer for all of us at some point, wherever you're at in your faith journey. It's simply this, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And I've got those mistakes and failures and sin that I can't undo and I can't fix. I just need your grace. I need your forgiveness. So today, Lord, I'm asking for you in your mercy and in your grace to forgive my sin to make me right with you, and I am putting my life in your hands. I want to follow you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?